When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson. Boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in. Touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Two is buried. That was Sauce Gardner. Here he goes! Goodbye and Halloenzo! And Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So for that, we bring in our friend who is the editor over at jetnation.com and co-host of Jet Nation Radio, Mr. Glenn Naughton, which leads to our next question from Calvin, who asks, at what point do the Jets consider extending Joe Douglas? I would say if the Jets make the playoffs, there's a decent chance he gets extended this offseason, even though they don't have to, just as a show of goodwill. Joe Douglas is halfway through a six-year deal. I believe he signed through 2025, so they technically don't have to do anything right now. But I think the message it would send to the locker room, to the coaching staff, and to everybody in the organization to reward the success that Joe Douglas has brought, if the Jets go to the playoffs for the first time in 12 years, that is a massive shift And it's something that clearly could not have been done without the game plan that he brought to the table. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Jets make the playoffs this year, if Joe Douglas ends up getting an extension in the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the sooner the better as far as I'm concerned, because Joe Douglas has been, uh, you know, he's been fantastic this, you know, in his time with the Jets. You know, his first draft class wasn't wasn't as good as you would have liked it to be. But the last couple have been absolute home runs. I, you know, I, I laugh when I see people, people nitpick about, well, you know, this pick didn't work out and this pick didn't work out. And I, I say it all the time, this isn't Madden. If you can hit on 50% of your picks, you're among the elite. It's like hitting 300 in baseball, right? You, know, you don't take a 300 hitter and say, yeah, but why isn't he hitting 600? Um, so Joe Douglas right now is, is doing his job at an elite level. And the Jets have been so starved for, for good leadership in that position for so long that if I'm the Johnsons, I, I gladly go down and, and uh, go to Joe Douglas's office and get him extended. Next question comes in from Uza Daddy. He asks, let's go vintage Jets podcast. Who are you targeting in the draft for the Jets? 
I'm not going to give you any specific names because honestly, I just haven't watched enough right now. Usually by this point in the season, I would have watched a ton of players. I would be beginning to make notes on these guys, doing mock drafts, all of that. But I've just been so happy watching the Jets do well that I haven't dove in the way that I normally do. What I will say is position-wise, I think the Jets clearly need to do something on the offensive line. The O-line has been okay, but really it just comes down to the long term here because you've got questions at tackle. What happens at right and left tackle? You don't know what to expect from Mekhi Becton. You don't know what to expect from Max Mitchell necessarily. Is he definitely a long-term starter? So if you get the opportunity to add somebody you think could be a difference maker at tackle or on the interior, Connor McGovern is nearing the end of his contract. Lakin Tomlinson has just been signed, but he's an older guy. We don't know exactly what the Jets are going to get from him. So there's a ton of questions, including the Elijah Vera Tucker injury. Definitely do something on the offensive line. I don't think they need to do much at wide receiver. But I think the bigger needs are definitely at linebacker and safety along with the offensive line. So that's where I would really be focusing my resources in the draft as far as what they really need to do. And the good news is safety and linebacker are non-premium positions, so that's good. They've done a lot to help the premium spots, but the O-line needs to be focused on and safety and linebacker. Yeah, I, you know, the, the positions I've been looking at in terms of the draft um, – are O-line and, and linebacker, even though the O-line has held together well with what they've had to roll out there this year, you, you just want guys who are going to be there every week. Uh, you need a little, some more, a bit more reliability. Um, I've, been, I've been watching a little bit of Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, the tackle, um, and a little bit more of Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. Both those guys' offensive tackles, both of them project, you know, they'll stay on the inside in the pros. I know a lot of times you see these guys, people project them to the inside, but I think those guys stay outside. Um, and either one would be an excellent pick. It's a matter of, you know, you, sometimes you see these early runs on tackles, and they're sort of gone, you know, in that first 18, 19, 20 picks. We'll see what happens there in terms of, uh, in terms of the Jets. But um, at linebacker, um, one of your guys, I think I told you last year, Scott, how much I liked DeMarvion Overshone, mm-hmm. the linebacker from Texas. Also, uh, I don't know if you had a chance, and if, if you ever get the chance to watch Ivan Pace from Cincinnati, he's one of those guys that you look at, like the first game or two I saw him, I almost wrote him off because he just he looked so small. Like it, whatever his size was on the on the the team's official site, I forget what it was, but I wasn't buying it. I was like, he just looks way too small. But he's just one of those guys who makes play after play after. I think he has 18 tackles for loss this season, um, seven or eight sacks. So Ivan Pace at linebacker, um, and and uh, Nate Herbig, uh, Jets right guard, has a brother Nick who plays linebacker at Wisconsin, who I really liked when I was watching last year. It uh, wasn't until after the Jets picked up Nate that I realized the two were related. Um, so maybe another pair of brothers on the Jets roster. Thanks for listening to Play Like a Jet. Just want to remind you that there's plenty of time for you to go over to prizepicks.com and make your daily fantasy entries on their player projections. Make sure you go to prizepicks.com using the promo code PLAJ and get in on the action because it's a lot of fun and it's really easy. Here's how it works. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, just you versus the projections available. You can do football, NFL, college football. You can do basketball, NBA, college basketball, NASCAR, UFC, whatever you want. 
It's all there at prizepicks.com. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code PLAJ. If you deposit 100 bucks, PrizePix will give you 100 bucks. If you deposit 50, PrizePix will give you 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code PLAJ at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. That's promo code PLAJ at prizepicks.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Glenn, it's funny you brought up Nate Herbig's brother because that made me think of Nate Herbig, and it really builds on the point you were talking about with the trenches. As we've seen with the Jets, you can never, ever have enough depth. I touched on all the injuries they've had. So even if you think the Jets are set for next year at offensive line, which I don't think they are, you absolutely can never go wrong going with an offensive lineman at some point within the first few rounds. Next question comes in from Timmy R. He asks, what do you think the odds are that both Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson win Rookie of the Year? Seems like it's a real possibility. Yeah, I agree. I think it could absolutely happen. Now, I think Sauce at this moment is a much better chance than Garrett Wilson. And it's funny because before the season started, I said if I had to bet it would have been Brees Hall. And Sauce Gardner would have been a little tougher to convince me of simply because usually the defensive rookie of the year is somebody with very splashy stats, a lot of interceptions, a lot of sacks. Sauce actually has interceptions, so that helps his case, but also he's had so much attention on him that I wasn't expecting, and he's played so unbelievably well. I thought he'd be good. I didn't think he would be this good, Glenn. So it really is remarkable how well he's played, and now halfway through the season, he's put himself at the front of the line. So I think he very well could get that defensive rookie of the year. Brees Hall, I thought, was the front runner. Then he got hurt. But Garrett Wilson is right in the mix. I think right now, Vegas odds has him at number four. Number one right now is Kenneth Walker. Number two is Damian Pierce. Number three is Chris Olave, Wilson's teammate at Ohio State, and then Garrett Wilson. What really has to happen here is Garrett Wilson has to keep kicking butt down the stretch. If he keeps having the type of games that he's had the last two weeks, and certainly the game that he had against the Browns, which included the game-winning touchdown grab, he's very much going to be right there at the end for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And if he does win it, he would be the very first Jet to ever win Offensive Rookie of the Year. We've talked about this before. There are four Jets who have won Defensive Rookie of the Year, if you go back in time. One of them was Hugh Douglas. One of them was Jonathan Vilma. One of them was Sheldon Richardson. And the other one was Eric McMillan, who was the first to win it back in 1988. So those are the four Jets that have won Defensive Rookie of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year has never been done, but certainly Garrett Wilson has an opportunity to do that. Right now, he's fourth in the odds, but if he keeps kicking butt, he could very well elevate himself. So, Glenn, what do you think? Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, what do you think the chances are that they both win Rookie of the Year? Well, you know, it's funny because when we did our, you know, sort of bold prediction show on on Jet Nation Radio, you know, we try not to go too over-the-top, clickbaity stuff, but I I couldn't decide offense or defense, and I I said the Jets will have a Rookie of the Year on – either offense or defense. The thought of both being a possibility seemed too far-fetched and like I would be, you know, out of my mind. Now it seems it's a very real possibility. You know, Chris Olave probably is the leader right now, maybe Damian Pierce in Houston. But, but, you know, Wilson is right there in the conversation. And, of course, on defense, Sauce, you know, there, there are some very good young corners this year, you know, rookies playing well 
uh, Sauce and Tariq Wollett have been out of their minds. But, you know, if Sauce keeps playing the way he does, Jets keep winning, big market. If they make the playoffs, that sort of raises the profile a little bit. So as crazy and unbelievable as it sounds, it's not that far-fetched. It's, I'm, t- I'm telling you, it's, it's crazy, but it's not, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Next question comes in from Jason Oliver. He asks, who will step up in place of Sheldon Rankins now that he's injured? Which players are going to get more playing time? Well, Glenn, it sounds like Tenzel Smart is coming in now. Solomon Thomas will probably get more reps. They flirted with Linval Joseph, so certainly if they sign him, he would step right in. I think if they sign Joseph, that's your answer. If not, you'll probably see some Tanzel Smart. You'll probably see some Solomon Thomas, and they'll bridge the gap that way. I also expect to see even more snaps for guys like Quinn and Williams who will step up a little bit in that rotation with Sheldon Rankins on the shelf. And hopefully he's back closer to four weeks than six. Yeah, I, you know, when as soon as the injury was announced, I... Uh... I tweeted out, uh, you know, that I would expect Tanzel Smart. Maybe, you know, Jonathan Marshall, we have no idea how he's progressing on the uh, practice squad, but he was a guy, you know, as we know, is, uh, you know, just freakish off the charts athleticism uh, coming out of college. Didn't do a whole lot last year, but, you know, he was always going to be a developmental guy. Smart would be the guy that I would put my money on because he's sort of, he's the veteran. He's got some NFL snaps. And let's face it, you know, preseason or not, he's, he's looked fantastic the last two preseasons. I actually thought he had a shot at the 53. Um, and but as you said, if Linval Joseph comes on, he becomes the obvious choice. But if they stay with who they've got on the on the roster and practice squad now, I would expect it to be Tanzel Smart. Next question comes in from Stephen Schaefer. He asks, "I liked when Joe Douglas gave an extension to John Franklin Myers midseason last year. If he were to do that again this year with the players on the current roster, who are some players you think he should consider giving an in-season extension? The obvious one is clearly Quinn and Williams, but I don't think that's going to happen in-season. That's going to be a big contract the way that he's been playing. Knock on wood. Hopefully, he keeps playing that well. And I think in the offseason, they're going to work to try and keep him a Jet. But here's another one that not enough people are." talking about especially considering how well he's played and how much he saved the Jets through these injuries Nate Herbig remember he's a free agent at the end of the year whether he's a starter next year or not the Jets really need him because look at all the injuries they've had look at the fact that the depth that they had with Nate Herbig on that line has saved them it wouldn't cost the Jets a fortune I think Quinn and Williams is probably unlikely in season because that's going to be a big contract talk if one guy was to happen in season of all the guys on the roster the one that would make sense to me is Nate Herbig yeah, when when that question, when I heard that question, two names came to mind. Um, Herbig was one of them. I was going to say, you know, one of the guys we just discussed uh, for the reasons you mentioned. He's only got a year left, but I'd also look at Bryce Huff. Um, you know, he's been in the league a few years now as an undrafted guy. You know, he'll be coming up on restricted free agency, but maybe you sit down with him and get him extended because he's been so much more valuable. You know, Bryce Huff is like the the prototypical. The, he's like the this is why you don't scout box scores. Like the numbers don't pop off, you know, off the page. But when you watch him play, he's so much val- He has brings so much value to the table that I would. He's a guy that I would want to lock up for a few more years. Next question comes in from Johnny Z. He asks Scott. The other day, you tweeted about you wanting the Jets to get Amari Cooper and saying that the Jets might have the best receiving core in the NFL if they had. But if they got Amari Cooper, it's very possible they wouldn't have drafted Garrett Wilson. How much different do you think this receiving core would look if they had gotten Amari Cooper? I was saying that if they had drafted Garrett Wilson and still gotten Amari Cooper, which could have happened, look at what this receiving core could be. Because imagine if the receiving core was Davis, Cooper, and Garrett Wilson this year. 
Of course, the unrealistic part of this is most likely if they'd have gotten Cooper and drafted Garrett Wilson, they probably would have tried to move Corey Davis. So it would have been Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Amari Cooper, which is still awesome because, look, Corey Davis is a solid receiver, but look at what Amari Cooper has been doing in Cleveland with Jacoby Brissett as quarterback of all people. Imagine what he's going to do when Deshaun Watson comes back. He's on pace for career highs in all the major categories, and that's why... I know, Glenn, you agreed with me. At the time, I really believed the Jets should have gone out and gotten Amari Cooper because to have that established playmaker and somebody who could run routes the way that Cooper does for a guy like Zach Wilson would have been invaluable. Now, it has worked out okay because Garrett Wilson has far exceeded the expectations I had for him as a rookie, and Corey Davis has played very well this year. But remember, Corey Davis was injured last year, had a drop problem, so I don't think anybody would have sneezed at Corey Davis leaving and Amari Cooper coming in. I also don't think that getting Amari Cooper necessarily would have meant not drafting Garrett Wilson because the Jets had Garrett Wilson rated in their top five, and so they might have just seen the opportunity to get Garrett Wilson, have him with a young Elijah Moore, and Amari Cooper as your steady veteran Pro Bowl guy, and just gone forward with that. They possibly could have kept Corey Davis, but I don't know what the price tag they might not have done that. They also could have gone in a different direction and drafted Jermaine Johnson at number 10 instead of drafting Wilson. But I think with Wilson on the board, it's still likely they would have taken him at number 10. They just would have thought he's too good to pass up and then they would have dealt with it later. Maybe they would have shopped Corey Davis. I think that's the more likely scenario. People were asking about Mims. I don't think the Jets were factoring Mims into their plans at all whatsoever. I think now he's redeemed himself a little bit, but at the time, I think they had more or less written him off as a potential sunk cost. So I think what would have happened if they gotten Amari Cooper is either they wouldn't have drafted Garrett Wilson and it would have been Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and Amari Cooper or they would have drafted Garrett Wilson, which I think is reasonably likely, and then they would have looked to move on from Corey Davis. But I think Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Garrett Wilson would have been a hell of a receiving core. I think Corey Davis, Amari Cooper, and Elijah Moore would have been a hell of a receiving core too. Thankfully, it's worked out for the Jets with Garrett Wilson, but at the time, you can absolutely see why I was so gung-ho about the Jets trying to get Amari Cooper, especially since the Browns got him basically for free, and then he ended up restructuring his contract anyway. Yeah, I think that, you know, if you bring in Cooper, because as you said, we talked about it at the time, with both fans are bringing him in, um, even with the price tag, because, because of what he brings to the table. And if you're the Jets, you've, they clearly have made it a priority to put as many playmakers around Zach Wilson as possible. So it's entirely possible that they do that, that they, you sign a Cooper, and just because of the value that Garrett Wilson brings with that high draft grade and where they were able to get him. And then, you know, listen, I, you know, I said all offseason that, that people would jump and ship way too early on Corey Davis. And I think the Jets know he's a good player. And they could have just said, look, we're going to showcase him in the preseason, you know, maybe even keep him on the roster early in the year, let him make a couple of plays, somebody's going to call about him, and we'll, and we'll deal him for a pick. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Samidi reported earlier in the year that, uh, that somebody had, had contacted the Jets mm-hmm. about a deal for Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Corey Davis would have had trade value. Garrett Wilson and Amari Cooper would have teamed with you know, Elijah Moore to give the Jets just an absolutely dynamic trio of wide receiver. Next question comes in from Rob Grant. He asks, regarding the passing game, why don't the Jets call more sideline passes? And why do the receivers on opposing teams seem to enjoy four or five yards of separation on mid-range passes while Jets receivers are mostly in tight coverage? As far as the separation, I think that's mostly you're seeing linebackers and safeties. 
they're not getting any separation on the cornerbacks. We've seen that. You go back and look at the tape, and that is not the case with DJ Reed, Michael Carter, or Sauce, clearly. I think what happens with the linebackers and the safeties, but especially the linebackers, is the job is really to keep those guys in front of you and make sure that they don't have major gains. So the linebackers aren't going to cover these guys the same way that a cornerback would cover a wide receiver because it's an entirely different assignment. And that's why when C.J. Mosley came to the Jets, Joe Blewett came on this show, your old friend Glenn, who of course is over at JetsXFactor.com, and I always joke that he does 11-hour, 55-minute film reviews. He did a long one of C.J. Mosley, and we discussed it, and he said C.J. Mosley is actually very good in pass coverage, and people had picked on his pass coverage grades and all that, and what Joe explained is exactly what I just said, that C.J. Mosley is very good at keeping guys in front of him. He's not necessarily going to shut guys out or make sure that they don't catch passes, but as long as he keeps them in front of him and keeps the gains to a minimum, then he's doing his job, and so I think you're seeing a lot of that with this defense and the way that the linebackers and safeties are playing, and as far as the separation with the wide receivers, I'm seeing plenty of separation with Garrett Wilson, so I'm not sure who it is you're referring to there. I think there have been some games where Wilson has just been hesitant, but if you look back at the All-22, a lot of times you are going to see these guys getting separation, and certainly the last few weeks we have seen Garrett Wilson get plenty of separation. Yeah, it's funny because that is something I a lot of times when the Jets are struggling, it, it does feel like that. And I've said that a million times. Like, I always feel like the Jets are playing against an extra defender because it feels like so often they don't get that separation. But really over the last couple of years, you know, last year Elijah Moore, he was one of the best in the league at creating separation. This year we've seen that number dip a little bit. Now is that an effort thing or is that just teams doing a better job of defending him? But with Moore and, and with Wilson, the Jets are able to create more separation than they have in years past. That's not really Corey Davis's game. He's not a burner, but he's still a guy who can beat you over the top. Um, you know, we've seen him. He's, you know, one of the top receivers in the league in terms of, big, you know, big plays, explosive plays. So the Jets can get, get separation, you know, currently better than they have in years past. So I think that's been a little bit of a revelation. But it took them so long to get to this point that I think, you know, people still kind of begrudge it and feel like it's not happening. But um, I don't think that's been the issue it has in the past. That's going to wrap up part two of the mailbag. Visit playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel to check out everything we're doing over there. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great All-22 breakdowns. Watch all the videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.